Welcome to American Patriot News, where we, the people, fight for the Constitution, freedom over fascism, and power over politics. And we also fight for the truth in history. Ed, we've got some truth for them tonight, don't we, son? We sure do, Bill. We sure do. You guys hang on. Uh, we're gonna we're not gonna read the whole article out of AMAC tonight because we've got so much to show you. We're just gonna show you where the 1619 project come from and uh, tell you a little bit about it, and then we're gonna launch off and we're gonna refute everything they're teaching our kids in school. This is an illegal thing to be teaching in our schools. It was outlawed by President Trump. It was replaced with the 1776 project, which, which was intended to teach the truth about American history, good, bad, and evil. Uh, so what we're gonna to do tonight is we're gonna show you some of the evil and some of the lies that are in the 1619 project, because it's very important that your kids know this. This might be something you might wanna share with your kids. We're gonna keep it clean tonight, Ed, right? Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do it for the kids. And we want you to see this. We want you to show it to your kids. We want them to understand because they are being taught lies in our schools. That's what all this whole series that we're doing right now is about the critical race theory and all the lies that are going on that are being taught to our kids in school. This is very important. Please stay with us. Uh, I'm gonna, first I'm gonna bring up the 1619 project. And I want to show you something on here. Uh, this is going to be the wrong picture when I first pop up. That's okay. We'll change it real quick. Um, here we go. 1619 Project. Some of you might know about this. Some of you might not. I've talked to school board members that have no idea that this even exists that is being taught in our schools. And it makes me wonder why our school boards aren't aware of this. Some of them don't even know what the teachers are, are union ed. You know, and the unions are, are a lot of what's propagating this stuff. They don't know if their teachers are union. Some of them don't know if the CRT is, you know, critical race theory is being taught. They don't know 1619 projects being taught. And uh, we need to shake our school boards up. I'm thinking about going to my local one and, and saying, all right, guys, I'm here. I want to ask a couple of questions. How many of you know what the 1619 project is? See how many hands come up. And if they do, so can you tell me what it's about? How many of you know what the uh, critical race theory is? See how many hands pop up. I guarantee there won't be very many. Uh, they're hiding their heads in the sand. They're letting our kids be taught filth and lies that will damage them. They're being taught that they're less than what they can be and that they can never achieve to what they are because they're incredibly despicable people or, or horribly oppressed. And it's got to stop. But here it goes. I just want to read a little bit out of this. In August of 2019, the New York Times came out with this paragraph on the cover of its companion periodical, the New York Times Magazine. In August of 1619, a ship appeared on this horizon near Point Comfort, a coastal port in the British colony of Virginia, it carried more than 20 enslaved African-Americans who were sold to colonists. America was not yet America, but this was the moment it began. <sighs> Come on, the moment it began, okay? And we're gonna show a little bit about when this all began and who, who it was. It was not America. It, uh, I'm gonna stop my share. I want you to bring up the video. 
This is about seven minutes, but it's very well worth watching. Are you there, Ed, or did we lose I'm you? Here. Okay. We have had so much trouble lately with our uh, recording being interfered with. This is a video put out by the history teacher on uh, YouTube. Hi, everybody. It's the history teacher. In this episode, we'll look at the founding of the original 13 British colonies in North America. Queen Elizabeth I never married and was called the Virgin Queen. In her honor, the first British North American colony was named Virginia. There had been attempts to settle Virginia in 1584, 1585, and in 1587, but these efforts all failed due to inadequate preparation. But in 1607, ships carrying 104 men landed about 40 miles up the James River and established what would become the first permanent English settlement. They named it Jamestown in honor of the current monarch, King James. The settlement expedition was a project of the Virginia Company of London. Like today, people invested in the company by purchasing stock. And like today, the job of the Virginia Company was to reward its investors with big profits. For almost a century, the Spanish had been hauling shiploads of gold and silver from their conquests in Mexico and South America. The British hoped to have the same experience in North America, and making that happen was the job of the Virginia Company. So Virginia was founded to make money for wealthy investors, which included the king, and to get a British foothold in North America. Massachusetts was founded by two Protestant groups seeking religious freedom. One was the Puritans who, as their name implies, wanted to purify the Church of England of what they perceived as Catholic beliefs and practices that had been lingering since the English Reformation some 70 years before. The other group was the separatists who, as their name implies, didn't just want to reform the Church of England, but instead wanted to separate from it entirely. Religion was a troublesome topic in this era, and both groups stirred unrest in English society. So when they asked King James to allow them to migrate to North America, he was happy to let them go as far away as possible. In 1620, the separatists, called Pilgrims, boarded the Mayflower and intended to land just south of the Hudson River, where they had been granted land to settle. But storms blew them to Cape Cod and, weary from their long voyage and concluding that God brought them there, decided to settle where they landed. A decade later, King James authorized the Puritans to settle in North America. In 1630, they landed near Plymouth Colony and established Massachusetts Bay Colony. Eventually, these colonies merged to the single colony of Massachusetts. Just as the Puritans fled England to escape religious intolerance by the English authorities, some people fled Massachusetts Bay Colony to escape religious intolerance by the Puritans. One of them was Roger Williams, a Puritan preacher whose unorthodox religious views made him unwelcome in Massachusetts. In 1636, Williams traveled south to the Narragansett Bay, purchased land from the native tribes, and founded Providence, a colony which welcomed people of all faiths and which rapidly grew. Providence was combined with neighboring settlements into the colony of Rhode Island in 1644. Similarly, the colony of Connecticut was founded by a religious refugee from Massachusetts Bay Colony. In 1636, Thomas Hooker's religious disagreements with the Massachusetts Puritans drove him and some followers westward to the Connecticut River, where they founded Hartford. In 1667, Hartford and the nearby colony of New Haven were combined to form the colony of Connecticut. New Haven had been founded by John Davenport, yet another unhappy resident of Massachusetts Bay Colony. The land comprising New Hampshire had been part of Massachusetts, but recognizing its significant population, 
and its geographic distance from Massachusetts authorities, in 1779, King Charles II granted a charter to the territory and thereby created the separate colony of New Hampshire. The colony of New York was originally called New Netherlands because it had been established by the Dutch in 1624 based on the 1609 explorations of Henry Hudson. New York City was called New Amsterdam and the Dutch settled there to engage in the profitable fur trade with Native Americans. In 1664, England sent a fleet to conquer New Netherlands, and that was accomplished without a shot being fired. The people of New Netherlands were focused on trade and business and really didn't care who governed them. The admiral in charge of the fleet was King Charles II's brother James, Duke of York. The king had granted his brother title to New Netherlands, and so the colony was renamed New York. Later in 1664, James granted the lower section of New York to two of his friends, John Lord Barclay and Sir George Carteret. The lower section was reorganized as the colony of New Jersey, where settlers occupied themselves with trade and farming. The land that became Pennsylvania was granted to William Penn in 1681 by King Charles II in repayment for debt owed to Penn's deceased father. William Penn was a member of the Society of Friends, commonly called the Quakers, supposedly because they feared God so much that their knees shook or quaked. Like other religious dissenters, Quakers were harassed in Britain. Penn intended Pennsylvania as a place where not only Quakers, but people of all faiths, could reside peacefully. Further, William Penn insisted that Native Americans be treated with respect and that any land acquired from them was purchased and not stolen. The colony of New Sweden had been established by the Swedish as a trading colony in 1638. But in 1655, the Swedish were ejected by the Dutch, who had nearby settlements on the Delaware River. The Dutch, in turn, were ejected by the British after the conquest of New Netherland, and the former New Sweden became part of the grant to William Penn. Penn later allowed the lower portion of the colony a separate legislature. In 1776, that lower portion became the separate colony and very soon state of Delaware. Catholics were generally disdained in early 17th century England. George Calvert, Lord Baltimore, although a Catholic, was also a firm supporter of King Charles I. In reward for his loyalty, King Charles granted Baltimore land just north of the Potomac River in 1632. Baltimore died soon after, but his son, Cecilius, inherited the grant and proceeded to establish the colony of Maryland, named after King Charles' wife, Queen Henrietta Maria. Maryland was intended as a haven for Catholics and other Christian minorities. In 1663, King Charles II expressed his gratitude to eight noblemen who helped restore him to the throne of England by granting them land between Virginia and Spanish Florida. The colony there was named Carolina in honor of the king. Over time, the northern and southern parts of the colony grew distinct, and it was divided into North Carolina and South Carolina in 1712. In 1732, a group of philanthropists led by General James Oglethorpe obtained a charter to form a colony between South Carolina and Spanish Florida. The colony was intended as a home for debtors and other poor people so that they could avoid debtor's prison and get a new start in life. Unfortunately, that noble cause didn't result in a successful colony, but that was the origin of Georgia, named after the reigning King George II. Okay, so there you have the founding of the original 13 British colonies in North America. Thank you for watching and see you next time. All right, Ed, uh, before you go to the next one, let's stop the share a minute. Uh, I wanted to bring something up. If you noticed in that video, uh, you know, we, we hear about, you know, the, the colonists come, the, the, the people that came here on the Mayflower, they took the land. They took the land. Remember, we hear that all the time. That's part of what they're teaching. 
They took the land from the Indians. But if you notice when it was talking about it, the pilgrims, the Puritans bought their land from the Indians and they set up a trade with the Indians. Did you catch it? I did. And so uh, this narrative that the land was always stolen from the Indians was not true. And the thing to mention before that was when Britain sent the people, these were people escaping Britain. They, you know, they told the King, yeah, we'll go over and we'll do all this for you. And when they got over here, before they got off the Mayflower, uh, this is something, you know, that's important to me because my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, her family came over on the Mayflower and all the men signed, uh, 41 of the 101 men on there, the prominent men on the ship, uh, signed a compact and it was the birth of legislation on this continent. Uh, it was not America. It was the American continent. It was known as the Americas, but, um, still it was the birth of legislation here and anybody that is interested can simply type in a search for the mayflower compact mayflower compact and it will come up you can look at it you can read it and you can see what these guys had in mind when they came here okay uh but their whole idea was to escape the king they didn't like the way the church was going uh, you know, they didn't like being told how to worship, like, like they're trying to tell us not to worship here now. And so this was all part of it. This was because they were escaping religious persecution. They came here, they tried to start a new life. But I want to mention too, it, it, it started out with Jamestown. Do you realize how many times Jamestown was founded? It was founded three times. The first settlers got here and when the next ship come, Nobody was here. They were all dead and gone and disappeared. So they started setting up. And then they were all dead, gone, and disappeared when the third ones got here before it finally took hold. Uh, they were under assault by the natives. Uh, these people were coming here as subjects of the king. They were being set here for profiteering by the rich people in England. It had nothing to do with them coming here to escape and to become a nation like the pilgrims did. That's all I want to say on that. Ed, you got anything you want to add to that? If not, you can go on to the next. No, I got nothing to add to it. Okay, go ahead to the next one then. It's found some interesting things here as well as I have. Yeah, I was looking at this and it says, uh, let's see, where's the, so here's the 13 colonies flag from the year 1607 to 1776. That's the flag of British America. Uh, 1707 to 1775. That is got the British ensign on it. Yeah. So that's the flag of British America. And it's the, they call it the red ensign or red duster. 
It's the civil incident of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. It's the one of the British ensigns, and it is used either plain or defaced with a badge or other emblem, mostly in the right half. You know, and it, it's good to mention while you're looking for the other part. Uh, I have a friend in Ireland, and uh, a big thing come out uh, just recently, I think it was last year, about the Irish potato famine. And the British were cruel people to the poor. They were cruel to the poor. And there was no famine at all. There was no famine at all. They just forced the, the Irish people to live on potatoes. Uh, can you imagine the scurvy and all the disease and everything they got from malnutrition and all that stars, probably diabetes and everything else? Of course, back then, nobody knew what it was. You just died from it. But that was just a little footnote I wanted to throw in there while you was looking. Uh, I know there was a part in there ready to go. Yeah, this is British America from 1607 to 1776. Okay. So there it is. There, there's from Wikipedia, the beloved encyclopedia of the left. Uh, you know, they like to, to quote Wikipedia like it's, like it's the Bible. So here it is in your own words, all you that follow the 1619 Project. There, there it is shooting it down. Uh, then you had something else up there, Ed. Yeah. It's under capital. It's administered from London, Great Britain. Um, the government from, well, it was just James and George. So it was a British monarchy from 1607 to 1776. Then it became a colonial constitutional monarchy. Right. I don't know, for some reason, I don't like that name monarchy. Well, you know, the London colony, the Plymouth colony, all of that was, was commercially owned by London. Uh, it was all for profiteering. It, it, uh, the people sent over here weren't weren't free people, they were indebted to the king. They had to raise so much for the king and and get their, you know, their what they're supposed to. Uh, they had been lied to about the, the Jamestown. Another interesting point about Jamestown it was they had been lied to. They had been said that America, the American colony was was a, a place where emeralds drooped off of trees. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> And they come over and they was going to gather up all these emeralds for the king. And, you know, I'm sure they'd have put a few in their pocket too. And uh, when they got here, it was nothing like that. It was a very harsh, unforgiving land. You know, if, you, if you've ever lived in the Northeast, uh, you know how harsh it can be in the winter. And uh, you can imagine in primitive conditions and getting here late and having to try to, you know, to get shelter uh, a lot of people built shacks and put two or three families a piece in them, you know, to get through the winter until they could build the next one. And half of them froze to death. But that that's another little piece of history. I just wanted to throw in for the, for the kids to learn. So uh, here you got a, a British ruled 
colonies uh, that were set over here for profit. I'm sure they didn't try to buy land from the Indians. I'm sure they decide they go in and just take it. Okay. Um, you never heard anything about them buying lands, but you got to give the Puritans the fact that, hey, they come over and try to do the right thing and they tried to, to do it. And they did set up the first form of governance on this continent. They signed that compact. They wrote it on the lid of a wooden chest in the hold of the Mayflower. And those men signed that compact before they ever stepped foot on this land. So they claimed it as their own. And uh, that was the beginning of colonization of the, uh, of, of the, of the, not the United States, but the American continent. Go ahead, Edge, show us your next tab. That was the only one I had. Oh, I thought you had one. Uh, I thought you had a third one. Let's see. Okay. Well, I'll switch. If not, I will switch back. Oh, you're talking about the. I thought that one where my cursor is up there next to on the end. Maybe it was the last one you had. That's all I have. Okay, go ahead and switch, uh, stop screen sharing, and then I will pick it up from there. Okay, now the next thing I want to share with you, get this back up so I can show it to you, is the Mayflower Compact itself. Like I said, you can go on there, you can read it, uh, you can uh, look it up. I'm very familiar with this. I keep a copy of all of this. This whole article is, is I've got a hard copy on it. Uh, I study it quite a bit. It's some interesting reading. Uh, and basically what it says is the things I've told you, but it tells about their hardships of travel. It tells about their struggles, uh, the landing, okay, and the writing of the compact. And there is an actual picture of the original Mayflower compact compact uh you could blow it up maybe even print it out if you wanted it you know for historical reference uh and i want to i want to point this out to you <clears throat> this is the wording at the beginning and you got to take the tongue in cheek that they put into this because it had to look like they were being loyal subjects right but at the same time they were getting away uh, and the compact says, in the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King Defender of the Faith. See, they're pumping him up, okay? And having undertaken for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith, and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and, and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. See, this is what I'm talking about, the beginning of the, the political structure of, our, of, of, of the continent. 
for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends foresaid, and by virtue hereof do enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time, as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. Okay, you notice they're, they're pumping the king up and everything, but then they slip that last little bit, bit in, uh, most covenant as general good of the colony, not of the king, not of Great Britain, but the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In other words, they're going to obey this article that they have drawn up, and they're going to they're they're going to break free from the king. In witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names of Cape Cod, the 11th of November, in the reign of the sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland, and 18th and of Scotland, and 54th Annio Domino 1620. Okay, so the 1619 project says it began in 1619. Actually, the first form of governance we had here was not the U.S. government. It was, it was the colonial government uh, that was still in effect in 1619. But the pilgrims came and the Puritans came and the separatists came, you know, they, that's who the pilgrims were. Then they were the ones that actually structured government. And if you notice, they mentioned equality in their thoughts, okay? But here are all the signatures. You can look, see all the people. Some of you might actually be able to look up and find out you had an ancestor if you recognize the name you know it might not be your grandmother's name but it might be her mother's mother's name or something you know what I'm saying on back through history on the same day john carver carver was confirmed the office of governor he had already been chosen governor on board the mayflower and his confirmation was doubtless a mere form rendered necessary for the adaption of the constitution of government under which his official duties were to be formed. In the cabin of the Mayflower then, says Davis, not only was the foundation stone of Republican institutions on this continent laid, but the first New England town meeting was held and the first elective officers chosen by the will of the majority. On the 7th, 27th of the February, the first recorded meeting on land was held in Common House for appointing military orders and Miles Stanish was chosen captain. And uh, this says America's four United Republics. Okay, uh, look this up, enjoy it, read it, learn from it. It's a great thing. It's a great teaching tool for your kids. Uh, the next thing I wanna show you is the Bill of Rights, okay? because they also say that, uh, you know, the constitution and all this, the constitution was made in 1775. It was signed in 1776 on July 4th. And when Ben Franklin came out, one of the first things he was asked was, do you remember what it was in? What kind of government have you given us? And his reply was a republic if you can keep it. So, oh, 
but there was a problem. Some of the people weren't happy with the Constitution because it did not contain a Bill of Rights. So a Bill of Rights, a Constitutional was, Convention was convened, and in 1791, a Bill of Rights was adopted. Including it was the First Amendment, which covered speech, religion, press, assembly, petition, redressing your government. The Second Amendment, right to bear arms, okay? Third Amendment, quartering of troops in your home. They couldn't just come in and put people in your home anytime they wanted. Uh, Fourth Amendment, search and seizure. Without that, we would have no search warrants. We would have no way of saying, well, you've got to have probable cause. You got to have a judge's signature to go in and search somebody. That is being trampled on right now with the Patriot Act. That needs to be stopped. The Fifth Amendment, grand jury, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, and due process. Okay. Where would you be if at first they didn't have to get a grand jury indictment? You could be tried and tried over again for the same crime, self-incrimination and no due process, okay? Self-incrimination means you can plead the Fifth Amendment and you don't have to say anything to incriminate yourself. Due process is what the Patriots, what the Patriots from January 6th are being denied right now. They're being held as political prisoners. They're being tortured, they're being beaten, and they won't even allow U.S. senators and Congress people to go in and check on their conditions and how they're being treated in that prison. This is the Guantanamo Bay of Washington, D.C., this jail they're in up there. Uh, Sixth Amendment, criminal prosecutions, jury trial, right to confront and to counsel, okay? Uh, if somebody prosecutes you, you got a right to a jury trial. You got a right to confront your witness. You got a right to have a counselor represent you. These people are being denied all of that, are they not it? They're being denied everything. Seventh Amendment. Yeah, they can't, they can't even talk to their attorneys. They're not letting their attorneys talk to them. Uh, one has been getting in a little bit, and he's getting ready to launch a lawsuit Ed, that you ain't going to believe. Uh, Seventh Amendment, common lawsuits. You're right to sue somebody if they do you wrong. Uh, you know, a jury trial, even on that. Uh, a lot of times these big uh, accidents where people get hurt or these things like uh, the Roundup thing, you know, where Roundup got sued and everything, that is done by jury. And the jury actually helps to set the amount the award is. And often it's much more generous than a political judge would. Um, and then the Eighth Amendment, uh, you've got a right to not have to pay excess bail or fines. Okay, it doesn't say you got a right to no bail. But now, if you, in our current situation, Ed, what happens if somebody on the left gets arrested? You're a bail bondsman. You know about this. They're going to, you're going to go to jail. But what kind of bail do they get? Usually it's a slap on the wrist. They're releasing them without bail. That's yeah. the problem. They release them without bail. They turn them back out. During the riots, uh, they had released people four and five times a night in D.C. Can you imagine that? 
And they would sign a paper every time. I won't go back and write no more. And then they go right back out and write some more. One guy they arrested several times had murder charges. They had warrants on him for murder. Murder. They never checked him. They never. They never arrested him on the murder charges. They just kept kicking him back out in the street. Uh, so, but now you take these guys over here from January six, and they're denied bail. Yeah, all the Antifa guys got to walk away. Cruel, and, un cruel and unusual punishment. The guys up in D.C. right now, one of them's had his eye socket broken. His eye's been put out. He can't. He's lost his eye, and uh, they're being beaten. They're being not fed. Uh, they're being verbally abused. They're being called, uh, uh, according to the attorney that was on uh, the other night talking about this, he said they're being called anything from white supremacists to Nazis <sighs> to honkies to uh, white trash, white pieces of shit. Excuse my language. I know we got kids on and stuff like that. Uh, yet if, if, if there was a black person in that jail and a guard done that, that guard would be charged and fired immediately. But it's okay because they're not on the left. They're conservatives, okay? Ninth Amendment, Amendment. <clears throat> Non-immunerated rights. You know, we're entitled to a lot of rights, okay? I want you to look at this. Uh, but James Madison ensured the Bill of Rights was not seen as granting the people of the United States only with specific rights it addressed. In recent years, some have interpreted it as affirming the existence of such unenumerated rights outside those expressly protected by the Bill of Rights. Each person has certain God-given rights, Ed. You've got a right to shelter, you know, that you provide for yourself. You've got a right to own property. You've got a right to work. You've got a right to eat. You've got a right to, to, to you know, to marry and have children, anything you want to do, as long as you don't infringe upon the rights of others. You've got a right to water. And look how it's going on in California right now and up in Oregon. These people's deprived of their water. Your ranch is deprived of the water. Your neighbors are deprived of the water. And the people of Oregon are being deprived of water. I mean, we got thousands of people in Oregon, hundreds of people in California right now. They don't have water. And, you know, it's really sad because we've been putting uh, things out on the bottom of every show description, asking somebody just to chip in to help us send them some water, and they're not doing it. You know, we, you know, Oregon's raised one hundred and fifty dollars. Nobody sent it to send anything to California, and it, it's kind of depressing to me because uh, Ed, your your group, your people in California, I mean, you can speak for them. Uh, you know, and Danny, I'm, I'm trying to get Danny back on the show. It has to be after I have my surgery uh, this week, uh, maybe next week or the week after. But uh, have y'all done anything to to deserve not to have water? No. Have you have you wasted water? No. So why don't you have water? Well, according to the state, we live in a poor rural area that doesn't necessarily get the services it should get. 
So your God-given enumerated rights, this is what I'm getting at, are being denied. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> yeah. You own the land, you own the water on it. You know, the government does not have in the Constitution any control over water. You can't show me in the Constitution where it says the government has control over the water. Okay. And uh, there's another thing I want to bring up for you real quick. <coughs> bring this up. Tenth Amendment, Bill of Rights to the States, okay? Passed by Congress, September 25th, 1789, ratified December 15th, 1791. The first 10 arguments from the Bill of Rights, okay? Okay, so uh, this is about reading. Uh, okay, here it is. The power is not delegated to the United States <clears throat> by the Constitution. Okay, when it says not delegated to the United States, that means the United States government. You've got to understand this. They wrote this very simple. It was done on purpose because there were a lot of people that had, you know, maybe a first or second, third grade education at that time. I know a man right now has got like a fourth grade education that's a millionaire, okay? But he, he had to struggle to get there. So they want to everybody have that opportunity to be able to get ahead. So they wrote the Constitution so you would know your protections under the law. They wrote it simple enough that anybody could understand it. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution. No prohibited by it to the states. Okay. Are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Now, and what that means is let's take, uh, everybody's got a right to work, right? Everybody's got a right to make a living, okay? Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the empire to say, okay, you can't build a pipeline. There's nothing that says that they can tell you to build a pipeline. But if you're building a pipeline and a president stops it in the middle of it and puts you know, we keep hearing 50,000 people out of work. That was just on the pipeline. The peripheral damage. I talked to a union member that was working the pipeline who talked to his union uh, president. They said that the peripheral damage of jobs <clears throat> was over a million jobs in the first week. Can you imagine that? Because you got to make the steel for the pipe. You got to ship the pipe. You got the truck drivers, you got the crane operators, you know, that loads the pipe to get it out there. Uh, you've got the people, the, the, the truck stop attendants, the people that cook the food for the truck drivers. You got the people that feed the, the pipeline people, you know, uh, they, they live out of town, so they eat out a lot, you know? And so, I mean, you've got all of this. And, and you can't just look and say there was 50,000 pipe job and labor jobs lost because there was a lot of other jobs and other businesses affected and collapsed over this simple, stupid, uh, illegal executive order signed by Joe Biden. 
So that's all I want to say about that. But remember, the powers of the United States government is in the Constitution. It's not that long. It's not that hard to read. And basically, they got the powers of the person to legislate, but the legislature has to legislation has to be the will of the people. If it's not the will of the people, then it reverts back to the state. It's the state's job to straighten it out. If the state don't do it, then it comes back to you. And the people have the right, the people have the right to impeach any elected official, any elected official. That is the law. You have the right to impeach any elected official. Why are we sitting by and letting these school boards that are elected by us destroy our kids? Why are we sitting by and letting crooked county officials keep you from having water in? Why are we sitting by and having crooked state officials, you know, uh, keeping people from getting water? Why are we letting them control what kind of farm you can have? What? Because it's this right here. That it's an inalienable right in the Second Amendment is that all our rights are inalienable and they're innumerable, which means there's a whole lot more. There's God given rights. You got a right to self protection. Self protection is a God given right, which means that the Second Amendment was based on a God given right. What God gives you, nobody can take away from you. Nobody can snatch nothing out of the hand of God. And so, Therefore, it's time that we stand up. It's time that we get tired of this. It's time we get rid of these lies like, you know, the New Yorker propagated that with a paragraph. The 1619 Project snowballed. Our kids are being taught fake history. Uh, they're being taught that, you know, uh, we just touched on a little bit of the fake history here. Uh, but, I mean, they're being taught, you know, that, that uh, white people are always awful. They're oppressors. Uh, they've always been oppressors. They always will be oppressors. And they're being taught that they're worthless because they'll always be under the oppression. And so they're teaching them to hate themselves and hate each other at the same time. It's time this madness ends in our school. It's time it ends in our country. It's time we take a stand. Uh, that's about all I want to say on that part of it. Uh, but we also found something very interesting, okay? Because I've said several times to people that um, the slave trade was propagated by another black by black people, and what happened was the 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 I got to get this right in uh, the Ashanti tribe and Africa rounded up people from other tribes and they took them down when the slave trader ships would come in and they would sell them to the slave traders to be sent to America, to be sent around the world. Many parts of the world still has slavery, black, white, male, female, child, sexual, human trafficking, that's all slavery. Okay, there's people that's being uh, trafficked for their organs. They kill them, take their organs, and they're sold on the black market. So anyway, the Ashante tribe uh, are the ones that done this. And um, if you remember, last year there was some uh, 
some excitement went on about the 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 gear that the uh, Democrat Party wore when they went out into the rotunda, and they kneeled down on their knees and 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 you know put on this public spectacle in support of Black Lives Matters. But the funny thing was the stoles and the, the hats and stuff they were wearing were Ashante. So what they're doing to the black race, and you gotta wake up guys, what they're doing is they're thumbing their nose at you. Say, looky here, we still got control of you. We've still got control of you. We're using you for that useful idiot that we told you about in the last show. That's what the Democrats are telling you. It's time to wake up. It's time to get off the plantation. It's time to end the lies and get away from it. But now I want to show you one more thing, because when I tell people that, you know, the Ashantes was, was, was taken and selling black people, you know, they were black, black people in Africa and they was taking and selling them to other black people. Everybody says, oh, you can't prove that. You can't prove it. Well, I got something even better to prove to you tonight because I've also talked about black slave owners and blacks like to deny that they existed. So what we've got tonight is the top 10 list of black slave owners. And I want you to look at this and we're gonna talk about these top 10 black slave owners, okay? And they put them in order. They put them in order just so that you can see uh, exactly how they fell in order as far as the way they treated their slaves. And I'm getting a little hoarse. Can you can you run through this first one with them? Uh, if I scroll it down. I need to rest my throat a minute. Can you see it? Are you there yet or did I lose you? I'm here. I just don't see anything. Oh, you're not seeing it. Let me stop sharing and do it again. That's, I was trying to figure out where you'd gone. You know, where our troubles have been going here lately with this stuff. Uh, can you see it now? I can. Okay. Top 10 black slave owners. Kind of give them a rundown on this for a little while while my throat rests. And I'll, I'll jump back in. All right. So there's a from history uh, written by Aubrey Henderson, and it's been fact checked by Jamie Freighter. Uh, it's a little story of uh, several different prominent, I guess you'd say, uh, Africans of that era of their times and uh, things that they've done, and either as a slave owner or a spouse or a child of a slave. But uh, basically here, the U.S. has had a long, gruesome history of slavery, which, yes, but remember, there was that period before we became the United States where this was Britain. Um, the U.S. has had a long and gruesome history of slavery. It has affected almost every part of its culture. Children in school learn the harsh circumstances that slaves were forced to live with and the incredible cruelty white slave owners showed them. That's not necessarily true because there were, the Irish were treated far, far worse than any black slave or any free black was. 
the, the, the if you compare the slave quarters of the South from the time to the Irish quarters at a foundry in Pennsylvania, you would clearly see the difference that the Southern uh, black slaves were treated far better and fed far better than the Irish. For the most part. For the most part. And even in New York City at that time, they would hire a, a black man before they'd hire an Irishman for a job. Well, you know, the, Ed, they would, they would uh, uh, hire an Irish person at a very low rate in, yes. in the North. And uh, they do industrial work, hard work. And then when the slaves were freed, the slaves only made a third of what the Irish made. So the Irish were, you know, the freed slaves were. So the Irish lived in these little poor tenements, okay? But most of the blacks ended up living in the streets and freezing to death in the winter and starving to death. That's something they don't talk about very much, but they talked about it in our history class when I was growing up. Go ahead. I can't, I can't scroll. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let's go to Dilsey Pope. Like Dilsey Pope. <laughs> Dilsey Pope was born a free woman. And when she was older, she bought the man she loved in order to marry him. She was and black. She was she black. Was, free she, was black. she was a free black woman. And she had purchased the man she loved just so she could marry him. Many state laws at that time would not allow slaves to be emancipated, so it was common for a family or spouses to technically own their family. Uh, Dilsey owned her own house and land, and she also hired her husband out as labor. Can you imagine that? If your wife hired you out to go work for somebody else? She was pimping him is what they would say. That's what she was pimping him. Yeah. Uh, what makes this particular situation so unique is that when Dilsley and her husband had a fight. Now, wait for it, everybody. You got to hear this. this. This cracks me the hell up. When they had a fight, Dilsley sold him to her white neighbor out of spite. While many, <laughs> I can't, that just cracks me up. I, I feel bad for the guy now. I can hear the Hodge brothers doing this one. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> While many uh, modern women might as well might wish to get rid of their husbands, Dilsey truly took took takes the cake when it comes to method. Also, like many spouse other spouses, she later felt bad about the argument and tried to reconcile. The only problem was that when she went to buy her husband back and apologize, her neighbor refused to sell him. <laughs> now this was a black woman that owned her husband as a slave people so don't tell me there were not black slave owners and she's the best out of 10 wait till you hear about about jacob gaskin oh the, there he is uh, you know real good looking fella right uh go ahead ed <laughs> jacob gaskin was born free only because his mother was a free woman <coughs> his father was still a slave at the time of his birth this was rather common at the time, and the mother eventually wanted to buy Jacob's father so that he would no longer have to work as a slave on a plantation. 
When Jacob grew older, his mother helped him buy, helped him to buy his father. The family was happy with this arrangement, although later, although the father, sorry, although the father was technically still their slave until he attempted to do what all parents do, reprimand his son. This is when the story becomes notable. <laughs> one, <laughs> one day, Jacob's father scolded him <laughs> after Jacob had misbehaved, as any good father would <laughs> You know, your kid gets in trouble. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna yell at him. Get out of that corner, boy, and stand there for a while. <laughs> Jacob, a petulant, entitled boy, became so angry with his father that he sold him to a New Orleans trader, and then later bragged to his friends and colleagues about sending his own father to be a slave on a plantation in Louisiana to learn some manners. Can you see this little guy? Going down the dirt road over to the neighbor's house. He thinks he's so bad. Make me stand in the corner, cuff my ear. I'm going to teach his ass. I'm going to sell him. Can you imagine that? <laughs> That's so messed up, man. That's messed up. <laughs> you know what happened if I tried so my daddy? I'd have got my butt beat so hard my legs have fell off. I'd have never made it to the neighbor's house. Boy, where are you going? <laughs> That's what I'd heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. <clears throat> Nat Butler. <laughs> Nat Butler makes the list for special type of manipulative cruelty that he showed towards his fellow humans. Butler was one of the worst kinds of slave owners. Not only did he participate in the trade, but he actively tricked slaves into running away so that he could sell them back to their masters after they got an ass whooping. Yeah. <clears throat> Butler would convince a slave to hide out on his property. Butler would then speak to the slave owner, slave's owner, to find out what the reward was for returning him. If the reward was high, he would simply return the slave for the money. If the price was low, Butler would buy the slave, then resell the, him to slave dealers down south for a profit. He gained a bad reputation in his uh, county for his scheming actions, and many attempted to hurt and even murder him for revenge. <laughs> yeah. Good thing I didn't have the same rules on slaves at the horse these. He said, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> you, know, you know, that'd be like like going stealing your neighbor's stealing your neighbor's mule, right? They plows his garden with. Say, man, I heard your mule was missing. Yeah. Well, can you tell me uh if I can find him, is there any reward for him? I might go look for him. Well, yeah, I'll pay fifty dollars for a mule back in fifty dollars a lot of money, you know. I'm gonna go look for him. Ten minutes later, come out. I found him. He was down the creek. He was eating some grass right there by the water. Give him about fifty dollars. If he says no, he ain't worth you know ten dollars. Then you just go back. You get the mule out of your barn. You ride him out over in you know the next county. Send him to somebody. Put him on on his way down down river to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we, this guy was treating his own people. Like they were livestock. And he was setting them up. You know, 
if, if he talks you into running away, Ed, and he collects a high binary, you ain't going to happen to you when you get back over there. They're going to chain you to a post. They're going to whip the tire out of you. Cut off some of your toes. Yeah, cut off your toes, cripple on your feet, cut off the end of your foot or something where you can't run. That's uh -huh. where they've done it. Yep. And the blacks were just as bad as the whites about doing something like that. And this yep. guy was setting these people up for this. He was setting them up. Piece of work, buddy, piece of work. Justice Angle and Mistress L. Horry. There you go. <clears throat> Justice Angel and Mistress L. Horry. I wonder if she was a whore. <laughs> Were wealthy black masters who each owned 84 slaves or 168 together. Damn. You got to figure slaves were about $1,200 for a good stronger at that time. Yeah. They ain't cheap. No. They were located in. Up until Biden got in, you could buy a Chevy for that good new Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> they were laid in, they were located in Colton district now charleston county in south carolina in 1830 because most slave owners only had a handful of slaves angel and hori were considered economic elite and were also called slave magnates slaves were simply labor to angel and hori and they considered them property hunting down runaway slaves and punishing misbehaving ones while there's no evidence that they treated their slaves more harshly than their slave owners and other slave owners, they were known to own them strictly for business, for business purposes. They bought, sold, and traded them like property, and misbehaving slaves were punished harshly for interfering with profits. Sound like some real nice people, don't they? Yeah. I'll give you a throw of rest. Sound like you get a little horse right now. I'll do this one. Widow C. Richards and son P.C. Richards. In 1860, I want you to think about this. This is 1860. This is These people were probably slaves right up until the Emancipation Proclamation, okay? These people owned them right up until the end of the Civil War. While people are out there fighting for black people's rights, white people from the North are coming down. Uh, Republican people, from the North because the South was Dixiecrats. They were Democrats that owned slaves. So while, while these white people were coming from the North fighting and dying for these people to be slaves, here's black people owning them in 1860. It says in 1860, slave owners, white or black, owned around one to five slaves on average. About 28% of free black population in New Orleans at the time owned slaves. So that's almost three out of 10, with at least six owning 65 or more. Okay, and think about this, 65 or more. So the average is one to five, The you know, six of them own 65 or more. See, Richards and her son PC go above and beyond those other six slave owners by owning over twice as many. The widow and her son 
operated a large sugar plantation together and owned more slaves than all other black slave owners in Louisiana in 1960, topping off at 152 slaves. Then we got the Pandarvis family. During 1730s, the Pandarvis family was one of the most prominent in the South, owning the biggest rice plantations in the Palmetto region and over 123 slaves. They dominated Colton County, now the Charleston area, and become one of the wealthiest slaveholding families in Southern Carolina. What is ironic is that this family as wealthy black slave owners was given their wealth accidentally when a will was created that gave the estate of Joseph Pandarvis to his illegitimate children with his slave, Parthenia. Despite the family's own origin, all Pandarvis' estates continued to use slave labor as they took over the Palmetto states. <coughs> Marie Teresa Latoyer. Marie was living in Kingdom of Congo, Congo when she met her future husband, who felt deeply in love with her. In a time where interracial marriage was considered wrong and immoral, Marie married a white Frenchman named Claude Matoyer and moved to Louisiana with him and their children. Because the marriage was not approved by society, Marie technically remained a slave to her husband. Years later, after six children, Marie was finally freed and she and her husband divorced. Claude left to France where he married a French woman. Marie wasn't left with nothing, however, and started a plantation that initially dealt in tobacco. Under Marie's leadership, the Matoria family prospered and the plantation grew. Eventually, they owned more slaves than any other family in the, in the county, with the number being reported at 287 by 1830. There isn't much evidence of harsh treatment to their own slaves, but the Matoria were noticed, were notorious for buying extra slaves to do their hardest task on the plantation and then returning them after the work was finished. This prevented them from having their own slaves do the dirty work. <clears throat> well, I guess that was decent of a man. Yeah. Why, 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 were, why were yours out when you got somebody else's you wear out? Sure. Okay. I'm gonna let you say this one because I can't. <laughs> Antoine Dublaclay. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you read this one. Was born a free man to free parents and inherited a large sugar plantation called Cedar Grove from his father. Under his father, the plantation was a small, was small and contained only a few slaves. Under Ant Anton's leadership, it grew, and by 1860, he <coughs> owned over 100 slaves. That's quite a bit. Yeah. And one of them, and had one of them, the largest sugar plantations in Louisiana. He was extremely wealthy, even more so than any of his white neighbors. His plantation was worth $264,000, while an income, average income of his neighbors in the South was only around 30, eh, about four grand. 
Now, can you imagine 264000 out there back then? That'd probably be a couple billion dollars now. Yeah, I just think if you could have, with what you know now, investing that 264000 at that time. Oh, yeah. You'd be, you'd be richer than the Rothschilds. Yeah. What about his marriage here? Uh, after marrying a wealthy black woman, his lands expanded. And after her death, Antoine was considered the wealthiest black slave owner in Louisiana. He was elected and served as state treasurer during the Reconstruction era and one of the only one of the only black men to hold the office for more than one term. So he not only not only was the man on the plantation, he was the man in politics too. Yeah. I'll do this one and let you do the last one. That way we don't wear our throats out. In 1862, William Ellison. Now, I want you to look at that. You know, me and Ed was talking. He said, what kind of uniforms are you wearing? I said, that looks like Prince, man. <laughs> In 1862, William Ellison was one of the largest slave owners in South Carolina, as well as one of the wealthiest. He was born a slave and was given the name April after the month in which he was born. He was luckier than most. and was bought by a white slave owner named William Ellison, who took to the time to educate him. When he was 26 years old, and that was a big thing then because it was illegal to teach your slaves to read and write in most places. Yeah. When he was 26 years old, he was freed by his master and began building his expansive cotton plantation. As a free man, he had his name changed to William Ellison, that of his former owner. What makes Ellison so despicable and earns him the number two spot on the list of so-called uh, list is how he collected his wealth. Ellison was known to have made a large portion of his money as a slave breeder. He bred them, Ed, like you breed cattle or you breed goats or you breed horses. You know, he looked at the bloodlines. Well, there's a big buck over there. I will mix him with this, this uh, good-looking woman over here. You know, it's got some good hips on her. I'll have good, sturdy children. That's the way he looked at them. That's the way he looked at them. Uh, so he was a breeder of slaves. Breeding slaves was illegal in many Southern states, but Ellison secretly sold almost all females born, keeping a select few for future breeding. He kept many of the young males as they were considered useful on his plantation. I wonder what he used them for. Uh, Ellison was known to be a harsh master, and his slaves were almost starved and extremely poorly clothed. He kept a windowless building on his property for the specific purpose of chaining his misbehaving slaves. In other words, if you was bad there, he would lock you up in a basically a hot box. It might not have been metal. I don't know if it was or not. But if you was in there, it was summertime. It was in the south. You had no windows. The doors was closed. And you was chained up. You was burning up. You know what I'm saying, Ed? Oh, yeah. You know. So I'll tell you, that's not a pound you down here. I'll let you do Anthony Johnson. You'll have to scroll down. Yeah. I just want to give him a chance to <clears throat> space. Anthony Johnson. Nobody on this list has affected the history of slavery quite as much as Anthony Johnson. 
He is rumored to have been the first black man to arrive in Virginia, as well as the first black indentured servant in America. He, also, he was also the first black man to gain his freedom and the first to own land. As a true pioneer of firsts, Johnson couldn't stop there. Ironically, he became the first black slave owner and it was his court case that solidified slavery in America. Now, hold on, let me read that again. He became the first black slave owner and it was his court case that solidified slavery in America. In other words, made it good and solid. You couldn't get out of it. That's right. In 1635, now that's during the British control of British America at that time. Right. Johnson was freed and given a 250-acre plant plantation where he was master over both black and white servants. Black and white servants. In 1654, Johnson sued his neighbor in a case that would change America's history forever. Johnson's servant, John Cassor, claimed he was an indentured servant who had worked several years past the terms of his indenture for Johnson and was now working for Johnson's neighbor. Parker, Johnson sued Parker, stated that Cassor was his servant in perpetuity, perpetuity, and the courts ruled in his favor. Casor had re to return to Johnson, and the case established the principle in America that one person is able to own another person for the rest of their life. How about that? He established the principle in America. So, we're told about how, how the, the slavery was a white establishment, the, the whites enslaved the blacks, and you know it, it was all America, it was all Americans fault. But yet we end up with, with ones that sell their husband because they get mad at them. We end up with ones that sell the daddy because you know, they, they might have gotten in trouble. Or or you end up with ones, you know, that 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 breed breed slaves like they're animals or, or somebody like this who was the first slave owner uh first black slave owner he turned around and he he solidified slavery in the united in america and he turned around and he made it uh uh to where it was established uh through the courts that you could own somebody for life and guess what ed he had white slaves too so there's my argument. There were white slaves too. There were slave owners that owned white slaves that were white too, just like these people. So this is not a black white thing. This is a slavery thing, period. Who's going to pay restitution to who now with this proof? Okay. Who's going to pay restitution for his sins? Who's going to pay restitution for all these other nine sins, all the other black slavery owners? These are just the top 10, right, Ed? Uh, yeah, but wait a minute. Weren't we just talking about something the other day? Uh, let me recall that here. Uh, 
Hold on here. Uh, uh, what was that? The Fourteenth Amendment. Yeah, where they cannot get restitution. Right. That's another problem with this Fourteenth Amendment. There's no reparations for slavery under the Constitution of the United States. So what they're proposing, what they're promising is illegal. And if the Democrats give you uh, the money, they can be tried for treason. And they're going to hang. Do you think they're going to take a chance to hang to give you money? They're not, not. going to give you money anywhere. They ain't going to give it to the blacks or the whites. What they give you on these stimulus checks is a loan that's going to come with a big, big interest bill. They never give you anything because you have to. Who funds the government? The people. Government has no money. It's the people's money. Right. And the, I, want, I want to add one more thing to that. Under the Constitution, the elected officials of the government have no power except that power which we grant them. That is in the Constitution. Okay? Look at the Tenth Amendment. That's key to everything. They have no power over anything that we do not grant them. That's just like this border situation, Ed. These border states said, okay, we'll let the federal government handle uh, immigration and secure the border, right? What's the federal government doing? Nothing. They're opening the border, inviting people in illegally against the Constitution, against congressional laws that have been wrote. So now all the governor of any border state, and this is where Greg Abbott has dropped the ball. He's dropped it every day since this crap started on January 20th, he should have said, we designated that to you and what we designate, we can rescind. We're claiming our state sovereignty. You will not come in here and let these people in. We will not allow them in. And if you let them, if they do get in here, we're either gonna lock them up in our presence or we're gonna extradite them ourselves using our National Guard and our National uh, Guard Air Service. They can put them on guard C-130s and fly them right back where they come from. You see what I'm saying? So that's where the governor's messing up in Texas. That's where they're messing up on all the border states. They need to grow a pair of oranges with some tough peels on them, and they need to get out there and say, this is what we're going to do. And I don't see it happening with Craig Abbott. You know, I had a little bit of hope for him when, you know, he started putting up the petitions that we're going to finish the wall and we're going to start locking people up. But now I just watched a, a, a video last night with Chris Ann Hall and all this is supposed to be going on. Yet she's down there and they tell her at this at this uh, coffee shop that they stopped to eat at that every day, eight to ten busloads of the illegals are transported right past their front door. They've got a tent city up there that started out three square miles and it's grown and it's growing. They keep putting on more tents, taking more. They've even took over the park. You see what I'm saying? 
I think that was in uh, McAllen, Texas. <laughs> oh, wow. And the Catholic Charities just went down there, took over the park, kept putting up tents. Well, it's no wonder Catholic Charities are doing that because Joe Biden, we know, done uh, he's done been caught. The people that he's been putting them in the hotel rooms with uh, that's been getting 800 something dollars a night for him to be there. Uh, they're related to him through his campaign, okay? And then we know that these the Catholic Church, he, he professes to be a Christian. Maybe that's how he's uh, getting the government to pay the Catholic Church uh, for taking care of these people. They feel good about taking care of them, thinking, oh, well, we're doing God's will. You know, the Catholics say they take anybody, they don't care, you know, rapist, murder, whatever. They just, they, you know, got to forgive them. You know, it don't work that way. Okay, they're going to end up with a bunch of nuns, raped, killed, stabbed, and sodomized. Ford's over with. You watch. Ford, Ford ends. It's already happening to the kids in the facilities. Okay, so what's going to happen? But maybe Joe's doing that so the government pays the Catholic Church, and maybe that's why it's keeping him from getting as communicated because, you know, they've been on him pretty hard, and then all of a sudden it just disappeared, that argument, didn't it? Yep. So... You know, everything's a deal with Joe Biden. Everything's a deal. You know, that's why I'll tell you, Hunter Biden's paintings aren't, people aren't paying 500000 for the painting. They're paying 50, 50 cents for the painting. And the rest of it, they're paying for the office of the president of the United States. I wonder how many paintings Putin's done about to finish the pipeline. I wonder how many paintings Al-Qaeda bought, and our guys just went over. Now, I don't know if it's true. I heard a report earlier today from somebody. Uh, I haven't had a chance to vet it, but that we're already, we sent 6,000 people over there yesterday, and we're already pulling them out. That capital city's done fell over there, and and we're pulling them out, and, and the people are trying to chase the planes down the runway. They come to rescue, and they're leaving them. Now, if that's true, yeah, this is wrong. That's what they did in Vietnam. This is wrong. You know, and <coughs> you take <coughs> the pipeline with Russia is as bad as uh, Carter selling the Suez Canal. Our adversaries are going to make money on that for a long, long time. What was that? Biden selling, uh, giving the pipeline to Russia is like Carter selling the Suez Canal. Our adversaries, our enemies are going to make money on it for years and years and years. Gotcha. I didn't even know we ever owned the Suez Canal. Yeah. Carter gave it, it sold it to him. For a nickel and a song. Shit. I was born after that. Yeah, he, he sold it to him. So, I mean, this is what Democrats do. Okay? They get in, they agitate, they stir up the races, they get the black, black people on the war path. We've seen it with Johnson. We've seen it with Clinton. We've seen it with Obama. And now we're seeing it with Biden in my lifetime. 
Okay. What was it? Do you know what Johnson said about the blacks? Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that from school. He got them on welfare. You know what he said? I have him niggas voting for Democrat for 200 years. That's not my words. That is Lyndon Baines Johnson, the president of the United States. The, the great president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, as I just recently heard him referred to on the, on the House floor. Uh, this is the person, okay? Obama was a tool he used to black people, okay? He got their vote for a cell phone, okay? Ob uh, Biden got it by promising reparations. Your cell phone was a busted ass piece of junk. Your reparations are gonna be the same thing. You'll be lucky if you see 50 cents if you get reparations because the rest of it will go in Joe Biden's pocket. Tax and the rest of them and blows in the rest of them. And then you're going to have to pay probably 5% tax on that seven, on that 50%. And you won't be able to do it according to Joe Biden because you're black and you ain't got enough sense to figure math. According to common core, you ain't got enough sense to figure math. So you can't add two plus two and get four because if you do, it's racist. So when you fill out your tax forms, they are going to say, well, that's wrong. And then they're going to penalize you if on that 50 cents. They're going to penalize you $5. You lost your 50 cents plus $5 because you're late filing the corrected form. <clears throat> now, if that's if you're as dumb as they play you to be, I mean, come on. you you. I, I don't believe Ed, that black people are so dumb they can't go down town to the courthouse, to the clerk's office and pick up a free voter ID card. They no, have something with an address on it. That's all you got to do is take something in with an address on it with your name on it. And, you know, you got to have a driver's license. Let me ask you black people this or white people too. You got to have a photo ID to get on an airplane. Right. Here's something where black people and white people should come together on it and protest the heck out of it. How come these illegals can come into our country, take your jobs, rape your children, rape your wives, kill you, kill your family, do all these things that they've been known to do? Because they're not, they're not, we're not getting the cream of the crop. We're getting the ones that are letting out of the jails what we're getting in most of them so we're not getting the cream of the crop the kids that are coming across are being sex trafficked they're being raped and everything on the way over so some women so i mean uh you know they're being used and abused but how come they can get on an airplane how come the government will put them on an airplane or a bus send them anywhere in this country not keep any track of where they're going and yet they don't have a photo ID to get on the plane. You thought about that, Ed? Oh, yeah, many times. So they can they can go anywhere they want. And guess what? They don't get tested for, for COVID. Uh, they don't get they don't have to wear a mask. You know, all I gotta do is say no comprehend, they don't speak English, right? 
and and you know then they shrug their shoulders and let them go and i guarantee you they won't have to have a passport saying they've had a shot now how much you want to bet and what about this teacher did you hear about <coughs> the, teacher, uh, the principal down in uh uh what was north carolina teacher uh huh I don't think so. A principal of a grade school last year segregated her grade school all on her own. Oh, I saw the news flash on that. Two classes of black kids, six classes of white kids. They weren't allowed to go in the same in the same same classrooms. Okay. Uh, and you really need to hear what the Hodge twins says on this, if you like the Hodge twins, because I mean it, they they are spot on and they are hilarious. Uh, we don't go into the as much as they do uh, on the humor in, but but they are hilarious on it. Uh, but this this black mother goes last year to this principal. And she says, I want my daughter in this particular teacher's class because I think she'd be a better match for my teacher, for my child, and my child would learn more. And you know what this black lady principal told this black mother? Uh, Your child can't go in a white-only class. The mother's like, say what? <laughs> what are you saying? Oh, well, we got segregated here. Your daughter can't go in a, in a white class. Now, is that discrimination? Hell yeah, it is. Why did it take a year to come out? Because it was black on black. Yeah, now, how come that principal's still working? If that would have been a white principal says your child can't go in a white class, it'd have been all over CNN, it'd have been all over MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, it'd have been everywhere. But they kept their mouth shut about it. Because it don't matter when it's black on black. Okay. And uh, this is the problem, man. We got to get over ourselves. We got to get over the melatonin in our skin. We've got to start being Americans again. We got to start pulling together because all this is, is a three card money end. And if people don't know what a three card money end is, they take like three little nutshells or three little cups. Uh, and they, they put a P under it. They switch it back and forth real fast, and you got to guess which one the P's under. And it don't matter which one you pull up, because guess what? That P ain't there no more. That guy's done pocketed that P. It's done in his hand and in his pocket, right before your eyes, and you don't see it. And that's what the federal government's doing to you. That's what it's doing to the black race, the white race, the brown race, the red race, and the yellow race. And it's time we stop it. It's time we stand up, America. It's time you get to your school boards in down there and say, we're, we're not going to have segregation in these schools. It might have been Atlanta. I, I might be wrong on the state. But we're not going to have segregation in these schools. And it's time we stand up and we march together to D.C. It's time we stand up and we march to our state capitals and say, you're no longer going to divide us. You're going to do our will and you're going to get out. We have that right. 
It's constitutional. It's in the Constitution. It's called the Tenth Amendment. Read it, memorize it, learn it, know it, because that is where everything comes together. They have no power except the power that we consent to. This is a government that's governed by the people through its servants. When you go in an elected office, you are a servant of the people. You're elected to do the will of the people. And if you're unwilling to do the will of the people, then you're unwilling, you're unfit to set in the office that you're getting paid to be for. And it's high tide we stand up and we start running these rascals out and we can do it. It might mean that you have to stand up and say, no, my kid's not going to that class. If I got to quit my job, he's not going to that class. Or my kid's not going to that school where they got to wear a mask. Or my kid's not going to that school where they've got to turn around and take a shot and carry a passport because one, the shot is dangerous for them. It's done been proven. CDC itself says the shot because causes myocarditis, which is swelling of the heart. And that means that your child can die from that. And guess what? Because it's an emergency use authorization, only drug, it's not an FDA approved drug. If your child dies, you don't have a leg to stand on. They can say, sorry about your luck, buddy. You got a dead kid on your hands. Now you got to pay to bury it. And then we're going to turn around and tax you for that. Is that what we want in this country, Ed? Nope. That's what we're fighting to try to stop. It's time you go to your school boards and say, no, you're not teaching this 1619 project that teaches, you know, that the black people were saints and the white people were terrible. Because we proved to you tonight that was a lie. Okay. We proved that tonight beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you got any doubt with that, then you can go back and fact check anything we put up there tonight. You can roll up through the pages. You can see where the pages come from. You can fact check it all you want. I invite you to. I invite you to. At the same time, you've got to stand up in your PTA boards, your school board meetings, your city hall meetings. You got to stand up in your county meetings and you got to stand up at the state house and you've got to be heard. It's nice to have, you know, a small group, but it's better to have a large group. The larger, the better. That don't mean you got to get violent. Don't mean you got to do anything illegal, but you let them know that if it comes right down to it, that we, the American people, can survive. If we have to, we will barter among each other. And if we have to, we will shut this government down by not working, by not spending, and they will be setting, holding the bag. And then when they can't pay China, when they can't pay Russia, when they can't pay Iran, and all these other company, countries that they're putting money to, let their uncle Guido come break their kneecaps for you. Because we can sit back and watch it happen. And then once they're gone, then we'll come back from the ashes. America has come back from the ashes many times. And just look at Sherman's march through Georgia. And he come back 
we can do it. It's going to be tough. You know, I, I had a professional ask me the other day, what do I do? I got to raise my kids. I don't want to take the shot. I said, well, if you want to raise your kids, my suggestion don't take the shot because you're probably going to be around to raise them. But what about my job? Well, either go on private practice or get a job at McDonald's making $12 an hour. Sell your big house, live in a smaller one. You know, sell your new car, live there, drive a used one. Do like everybody else does until this is over and then come back. And that's what I'm telling you all to do. That's what I've got to do. It's what you got to do. It's what we all got to do. So with that, Ed, I think we'll close this show. I hope it's been an educational experience tonight. Uh, if it's not, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Because, I mean, this is a lie. This 1619 Project, this critical race theory, it's all meant to divide and conquer the American people by the enemy within who resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and who sets in power in Washington, D.C., every one of them, both parties, both sides are guilty, and more is coming out every day. Turn off CNN, turn off MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, turn off Fox News. They're as useless as the rest of them. Go to own Newsmax or somebody like us that will bring you the truth, give you the pure, unadulterated truth. We might not be as polished as the other guys, but one thing about it, we're patriots, we got our heart in it, and we will fight to the death for this country. That man right there on the other side, same way. So God bless you all. Have a good night. God bless your families. God keep your home safe. And most of all, May God help us get through this and may God bless America. Good night. Good night.